Good morning, everybody. It's great to be in church this morning, isn't it, together? Um, Should we just bow our heads before um, we look at the word? Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning that your word is living. We just thank you that as we read it, we see Jesus. That as we delve into it, we engage with the presence of God. We thank you that your word is truth. And I pray this morning, Lord, that your word and your word only will speak deep into the heart of each person here this morning. I pray, Lord, that through your word, you will reveal yourself in a mighty way. And we'll give you all the praise and all the thanks in that precious name, that name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, I just love the different characters in the Bible. And uh, they're all so different, aren't they? They're all incredible. And God can teach us so much through all the different characters of the Bible. But, you know, it's wonderful also that we are all very different, aren't we? We're all created differently. It'd be a boring world if we were all the same. We're all different in physical characteristics. We're all different in the way we think. And our lives are very different. We're all going along different paths. We all have different joys we have different sorrows, we have different frustrations, we have different joys. And through the whole of the Bible, whatever circumstances his people come across, God will speak. And you know, throughout our lives, we invest our time in different things, don't we? Sometimes we have to go to work, some of us don't need to anymore, which is wonderful. Um, some of us have to go to school, have to go to college. We all spend our time in a variety of ways. But, you know, however we spend our time, it's always with the expectation that however we spend our time, it will make a difference in some way. Sometimes, however, it seems that however much we spend our time, it, sometimes it seems that we're always giving and sometimes we come back or we feel we come back empty-handed. Sometimes maybe we feel like we aren't getting out as much as we've been putting in. And sometimes maybe we even feel like giving up because whatever we do and however much time we've invested, nothing changes. I'd just like to share a few verses in Luke 5, verses 1 to 7. Now, we all know this story. I've read this story hundreds of times in my life. But it was only when I sat down and really, really studied it and took each verse at a time that I was just amazed. And perhaps I can encourage you to perhaps take a small Bible passage and just look at it in depth, a verse at a time. If I can just read Luke 5. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him, to listen to the word of God. Jesus noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them there, and they, the fishermen, were washing their nets. Stepping into one of those boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now, 
Go out where it is deeper and let down your nets and you will catch many fish. Master, Simon replied, we have worked hard all night and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, we will try again. And this time their nets were so full, they began to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the very verge of sinking. Now it's obvious that this story tells us of a fishing trip undertaken by Simon before he became Peter and the other disciples. Now, we may have a fishing trip of our own, not literally. I don't expect us to go and get out into a boat and go fishing, although perhaps some enjoy that sort of thing. Maybe we have invested time just like Simon did, and maybe there are disappointing seasons. Let's just set the scene of this story. Verse 1 tells us that one day Jesus was standing by the Lake of Gennesaret, part of the Sea of Galilee. Now, Luke, who wrote this gospel, he was a doctor. And he loved adding detail to his stories. And he tells us that Jesus, and I hadn't really noticed this before, was surrounded by a very, very large group of people. I looked at other versions. I looked at the NIV and it said people were crowding around him. The New King James said the people pressed in on him. And the good news says people pushed their way up to him. So this wasn't a small, calm group of people. They weren't just sitting and listening to Jesus, just gently listening. They were actually crowding around him. They were pressing in on him. They were pushing their way to him. They were clamoring to get close to Jesus. In actual fact, Jesus was backed up against the shoreline. Such was the crowd pushing now, you know, these people at this point didn't really know whether Jesus was the Messiah. But this is what they did know, that wherever Jesus was and whenever Jesus turned up, the lame walked, the blind had their sight restored, and the deaf heard. That's what they knew. Jesus spoke with great authority, and the people wanted to get closer to him. And there was chaos. The people were pushing and pulling and shoving. And as Jesus was being pushed further and further back, you would think, wouldn't you, that Jesus' only concern would be about the crowd and about how close they were actually pushing him to the water's edge. Then we come to verse 2. So all that was in verse 1. Verse 2, it says, But... You know, I love the word but in the Bible. Have a look sometime when you've got a minute with all the buts in the Bible. Even though Jesus was being pushed back and being jostled, he saw a boat. So he wasn't worried about all the people thinking he might be pushed over. He saw a boat. There was no one in the boat. The boat had been abandoned. But you know, Jesus didn't just see the boat. He saw the fishermen washing their nets. Simon was the disciple who was mentioned by name. He was one of the men washing their nets. And, you know, Jesus saw one man who'd had a bad night, a really, really bad night. Maybe we've all had times in our life when we have 
a bad night, or a bad day, or a bad week, or a bad fortnight, or a bad year. But you know, just like Simon, Jesus saw him having had a bad night. Now to us, one night of catching no fish at all doesn't really sound like a big deal. We don't fully understand that, do we? We've all got food in our cupboards at home, and we find it hard to fully understand the urgency about catching a full catch of fish. You know, these men have been out all night. They've been using the skills they knew that they'd used on previous nights when they caught fish. But on this night, they had caught nothing. Simply put, for these men, no fish meant no food or, or and no money. The family went hungry, no question. That's how big a deal it was. So in the crush of all the multitudes of people pushing, Jesus saw Simon. There were loads of things that could have attracted Jesus' attention. He could have been looking at all the people in the crowd. But no, he saw Simon. You know, sometimes I'm sure we think that God won't want to be bothered or have time to hear about our problems. After all, he's got the whole world to look after, so why would he worry about looking after our little problems, or even big problems? But you know, it doesn't matter how big the population of the world is, or what is going on in the world, or in our country, or in our town. You know, even in all of that, he sees you, and he sees me. I love to read the times in the Bible that we read that when Jesus walked the earth, he stopped because he saw someone having a bad day or a bad night or a bad experience. Jesus saw a widow with an issue of blood. Jesus stopped and saw a blind man. Jesus saw at the wedding feast that they'd run out of wine. Jesus stopped and saw a dead child. Jesus saw a dead friend. And he was never too busy. He was never too preoccupied or too concerned about himself. When he saw, he acted. And so it is with us. And so it was with Simon in Luke chapter 5. You know, we read in his word that he sees every single tear. He sees us when we lie awake, tossing and turning, trying to sort this out and trying to sort that out. People around us may not know. People around us may be fast asleep. But he knows, and he sees. Other people may not understand, but he sees, and he understands. We must never forget, and this is my favourite song, 139, that he saw you and he saw me before we were even born. Isn't that incredible? While we were still hidden in the depths of our mother's womb, he saw us. Do you notice that he saw us? Not, well, he may see us, or maybe he saw us. He sees us. And you know, the God of the universe who sent his son didn't say, okay, if you accept Jesus as Saviour and you've got a ticket to heaven, that's enough. No, he didn't say that. He said that he wanted us to have a close relationship with him on earth before we get to heaven. God said... He would give us his spirit to watch over us during the good times and the bad. 
It's really so important to fully comprehend this and to take on board the fact that great as he is, powerful as he is, he chooses to have a relationship with us. He doesn't need to. He chooses to. You know, sometimes I forget how powerful and mighty a God we serve. And sometimes we forget that with God nothing is impossible. And, you know, if we look at creation, and we take it all so for granted, don't we? But, you know, it's him and him alone who makes sure that the earth stays in the exact same place, the correct place. And yet, even then, he still sees you and me. He is the one who makes sure that all the neighbouring galaxies stay in place. And yet, he still sees you and he still sees me. He's the one who makes the earth spin on its axis and it's exactly the right speed. And yet he still sees you and he still sees me. He's the one who at night swaps the places of the sun and the moon. And yet he still sees you and he still sees me. He is the one who set our planet Earth in just the right position to give us everything we need. And you know, I'm always fascinated by this. Did you know that our Earth is 93 million miles away from the sun? And did you also know that if the Earth was positioned a fraction closer to the sun, we would all burn up. And did you know that if the Earth was positioned a fraction further away from the sun, we would all freeze to death? That's the God who sees you and who sees me. This powerful, almighty God chooses to see us. We may think our problems are too small or too big. Let's go back to Luke's account. What was Simon doing when Jesus saw him? He was washing his nets. I imagine it would have been pretty obvious from the way he was washing his nets that he was really fed up, that he was disappointed, he was annoyed, he was upset, he was irritated. He'd used everything he knew how, and he hadn't caught one single fish. We discovered the fishermen had been out all night, and Simon had given up. He'd abandoned his boat. He was watching his nets. He'd had enough. He was done. He was finished. Everything he knew to catch fish hadn't worked. All his efforts, all the time that he'd invested out on those waters, no good. He'd given up. Are we like Simon? Have we put in so much hard work and effort into something and nothing has changed? Have we invested time in a situation or with a person or with a friend and it's just come to nothing and we've just given up? So just as Simon stepped disappointedly out of the boat, do we do the same? Do we give up? Have we tried so hard that we can't do any more? But do you know a very interesting thing? Verse 2 says, Simon got out of the boat. And do you know what verse 3 says? Jesus stepped into the boat. That is so important. It was only when Simon stepped out of the boat 
when there was nothing else he could do, it was then that there was room for Jesus to put his feet and to step into the boat. So in our lives, when difficulties come, when problems come, when there are worries, concerns, it is only when we get out of the boat, because we can't do it, not without him. It's then that Jesus is able to step onto the very thing that maybe we wanted to step out of. And it is only when we step out of our boat and give Jesus the space to put his feet in, that Jesus will step in and he will make a difference. Maybe the season of your life that you want to get out of, the situation you were going through, which you want to run away from, is actually what God wants to step into. He will step on the very thing that you want to abandon. You know, there was nothing that Simon could do about the situation he was in. He had tried all night. We can hardly imagine the exhaustion. He'd given up, no hope left. Maybe we feel like that. But you know, Jesus used Simon's abandoned boat. And the very thing that had brought, brought Simon so much frustration and upset, Jesus used it. You know, sometimes we put in so much effort and we try everything and we strive and we give up all we have and we give up loads of time. We try everything till we come to the point when everything that we do makes no difference. We come to the point when we can't do it in our own strength. We are out of hope. And it's then that Jesus plants his feet. And folks, this morning, it's all about him. It's not about us. There's something else I believe we need to remember when looking at this, and I believe this is vitally important. God is sovereign. This means that Jesus existed before time. In Genesis 1, we read that God said, let there be. He was there before time. God is eternity past. He's God of the present. He's also God of the future. And this is something I think we forget. Sovereignty also means that he has the whole world in the palm of his hand. How incredible that sovereignty is what allows us to do what Psalm 46 verse 10 says. Be still. Stop striving. Stop struggling. I am God. I know the end from the beginning. Now, if we think of God's sovereignty, apply that to Luke chapter 5. When Simon was out fishing all night and he kept trying and trying and trying for hour upon hour and he cast out those nets and there was no fish, what the sovereignty of God tells us that, even though Simon was shocked, why aren't I catching any fish tonight? I've caught fish on other nights. Why am I not catching fish tonight? He couldn't understand why on this particular night he wasn't catching anything. Simon was shocked, but guess what? Jesus wasn't. Before the fishing trip even started, before Simon had even cast the net out for the first time, Jesus knew it all. This drew me up, you know, with a halt. Jesus knew it would happen. If Simon had actually caught the fish that he normally caught, he wouldn't have abandoned his boat, would he? 
And if Peter hadn't abandoned the boat, Jesus wouldn't have been able to get into it. I believe, and I'm gradually learning this, that Jesus puts each and every one of us into positions and situations where there is a gap between what we can do ourselves on our own and what only God can do. And if you think about that a little bit more, every single person in this room have got talents, different talents. We've all had different amounts of success, maybe even failure in our lives. They are different. We've all got different problems. We all have different reactions to different situations. But you know, in some cases, our money may be enough. Our success may be enough. A relationship may be enough. Our home may be enough. Our jobs may be enough. But you know, if any one of those things is always enough, then we will never ever have enough empty space in our lives to let Jesus come in and have space to put his feet. So you know, when any of the above is not enough, when there is an aching and an emptiness, even in the busyness, that's when Jesus sees and he will fill it. Do you notice what happened when Jesus stepped into Peter Simon's boat? He declared the word of God. And you know, I'm coming to learn as the years go on how powerful the word of God is. Do you know, we need to declare the word of God over every situation in our lives. Because do you know, folks, it will never return to him void. God's word is mighty and powerful and it will never return back to him empty. Then what happened? Jesus had seen everything that had happened with Simon. He'd seen it all. He had stepped into the boat and he looked at Simon and said, this is what he said to Simon, come on, let's go deeper. You know, Simon wasn't sure at first. He couldn't see the point. He'd given up. Simon was an experienced fisherman. What would be the point in doing exactly the same thing again? Is that like us? Have we tried and struggled and given up on a situation? We've tried to work it out on our own, but nothing seems to work. And yet all along, Jesus wants to move us from where we are in the shallows, floundering about, to go deeper with him and to trust him. To spend quality time with him. To search his word. And you know, it's only when we give our time and we talk to him and we read his word. It's only as we go deeper that he will meet us. You know, we may feel sometimes, well, actually, I'm okay. I'm quite comfortable. I don't really want to bother with change. I'm happy the way things are. I'm quite happy coming to church on a Sunday and uh, perhaps occasionally reading a couple of verses. Um, I'm all right, really. But you know, Jesus wants so much more for us. He wants us to go deeper. And you know, even after Simon's arguments, 
Simon decided to go deeper. And why? Because Jesus asked him to. Simon was asked to cast those nets out into the very same waters that he had fished all night with no results. It had all been fruitless. But you know what? Jesus wasn't finished yet. And Jesus was going to take Simon deeper. And that's what he longs to do with us. When we have almost given up hope, when we are frustrated, Jesus wants us to partake in a miracle, to expect and to anticipate that he will do something, that he will perform a miracle, because he hasn't finished yet. Did you know that in the Bible there are 8,000 promises? Do you know God has placed those promises within our reach, but not straight into our hands? And do you know why? Because we have to reach out. We have to study his word. We have to take hold of those promises. He doesn't just give them into our hands. We need to reach out and take the initiative. And then God will move. You know, Simon could have refused to take that boat out. But he trusted. And as Simon as we just read, cast out in that boat, and he threw the nets over the side. There were so many fish in those nets that the nets began to break. And you know, God calls each one of us out into deep waters, and it's then that he performs miracles. Jesus called Simon. Simon didn't say, no, thank you, I've tried all night, there's no hope, it's hopeless, I've washed my nets now, I'm going home. He didn't, because this was Jesus speaking. Do we feel sometimes that maybe life is quite comfortable? We don't actually want any more from God. But you know, even though we may think that if we go out into deeper waters, it's dangerous. And anyway, we've washed our nets. But you know, God is teaching me that when he asks me to step out into deep waters and to trust him. And that's hard sometimes. That's very hard when we're going through tough times. I'm sure we've all been or are now or will in the future going through tough times. That's difficult. But you know, God will never take us out into deep waters without the intention of giving great, great blessing and performing miracles, however great we think the risk may be. This is the important lesson. Go deeper. He has so much more. We need to go out into that deep place of faith. Even in an area where we've tried everything. Where maybe we've been praying for something for a long time. And nothing has changed. God sees. And he knows. He, our mighty God, is already planning. He hasn't finished yet. Maybe you've spent a long time disappointed, frustrated, upset. But you know, it's when we get to the point when we can't do it ourselves. I've gone through experiences in my life 
when I've tried to reason everything out, <clears throat> tried to battle it through, tried to struggle, tried to sort out the problems. It's only when you come to that point that you realise you can't do it on your own. And sometimes God has to bring us to that place. It's when we've done everything. It's when we step out of the boat and give it all to him. It's only then that there is room for Jesus to plant his feet. You know, just as Peter had to trust Jesus when he told him to push out into the deep, we actually have to make a conscious decision to choose to trust him, even when we can't see the way ahead. And that is hard, when we can't see the way ahead. And you know, God has been teaching me lately, you either trust me in this situation or you don't. It's as simple as that. And I have had to say to God, I trust you. I can't sort this out myself. I trust you, God. You can. And when we're in over our heads and when we feel all is lost, it's when we hand it over to him and get out of that boat and stop doing it in our own strength. It's then that Jesus will take us deeper and show us what a miracle-working God he is. We have to make room for him in the boat. Do as Jesus says. Wait, expect, and anticipate that he is going to do mighty things. Remember what a great God we have. This morning, let's let Jesus into our boat. But to do that, we have to get out of it and give it all to him. Let's go out into the deep with him, not relying on anything that is of ourselves. We have to trust him. He hasn't finished yet. Let's go deeper and deeper still into him.